Thank you for listening to the preaching ministry of First Baptist Church of Talladega, Alabama. First Baptist Church exists to glorify God by loving Him, loving others, and making disciples in Talladega and around the world. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, will you join me again in the book of Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, this morning we'll be reading verses 11 and 12. Once you have it, if you are able, will you stand with me in honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word? For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the reminder that it gives us this morning. As we seek now to study it together, we pray that you now would speak to us, your people. Father, I pray that you would use me as your mouthpiece. Fill my mouth with your words and not my own. My words can accomplish nothing. But your word can accomplish everything you send it forth to accomplish. So, Father, we pray that as you speak to us now through the reading and the preaching of your word, that you would give us ears to hear, minds to understand, hearts to obey. Father, that you would also give us a clear sense of the authority of your word over our lives, even this morning. That we would be quick to obey it. All these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Anybody remember 2020? Some days it feels like it's still 2020, doesn't it? I, I, at the conclusion of my prayer, I heard a bird sing. We sang a hymn this morning as we began called All Creatures of Our God and King. Maybe you remember in 2020 that one of our very first Sundays back, it might have been our first Sunday back, I'm not really sure. But it was back when we were still leaving the doors open, you remember, so that the fresh air could flow through. Those were some of the, the uh, some of you are already giggling, you know what I'm going to share. We sang that song, All Creatures of Our God and King, and apparently that little bird who just sang thought it was an invitation to come join us for worship and sort of circled over our heads for a while. I, I stopped the sermon. I, I, none of you were listening to me anyway, and I could argue this to myself. Um, that, that some of you were worried that bird did hit the wall and, and fall, and uh, Tom had to come rescue it. Uh, I don't know where Tom is this morning. I know he's here somewhere. Uh, Tom slipped in quietly. Some of you didn't even notice and, and got the bird and recovered it, and it flew off. So it may be the same bird singing because he heard the song and couldn't get it. Lots of interesting things about 2020. I don't know if you remember this or not, but um, our very first Sunday, not able to meet together when, um, because of all the best information that we had was that we all needed to sort of shelter in place. We all stayed at home. Um, everybody locked in their homes for weeks at a time. Uh, we began to do uh, corporate worship online. You remember those days? I will never forget those days. Um, the very first Sunday we did that, I was in here on Friday morning preaching to that camera 
all by myself. If you remember, I gave this passage as the benediction that day. Because it describes our longing to be together. A longing that that we maybe had never felt before like we felt it that day. Having to worship in our own homes, on your phone or computer or television screen, instead of being together. We felt, sometimes, for some of us, maybe for the first time ever, this longing to see each other recognizing our inability to do so. Even more than that, we knew how much encouragement we needed during those days. Those were difficult days. Sometimes they're difficult days still. We recognize, again, maybe for the first time on that kind of deep level, how we needed to be together. How we needed the encouragement that comes from seeing each other Just as Paul writes here to the Roman church, I long to see you, he writes. Think of how eager we were to encourage one another when we returned. Do you remember the first Sunday back, other than the bird? Do you remember how good it felt just to see one another's faces? We still weren't supposed to be shaking hands or hugging, but some of us I know did it anyway. It was just good to see each other finally. Brothers and sisters, that kind of longing for each other is easy to lose. And I want to urge all of us this morning, as we continue in the second part of what we've said is sort of a mini-series here in Romans chapter 1, describing the one another's, these instructions about how we are to relate to one another. That you and I need to return to that kind of desire to encourage one another. It's how we've entitled this morning's message, The One Another's Part Two, Encouragement. From this passage grows our clear conviction that for the sake of one another's faith, as well as for our own, for the sake of encouraging one another and for the sake of being encouraged ourselves, we need to be together. We long to see one another. As we examine this passage together this morning, I want us together to consider the importance of encouraging one another, the longing we ought to have for one another, and even the work we need to do to strengthen one another, as well as the beauty of our mutual encouragement together. Let's begin with our longing for one another, as it's described in the first half of verse 11. For I long to see you. Paul writes simply. It's easy, like lots of phrases we sometimes encounter, to simply gloss over. But notice the weightiness of what Paul says. I long to see you. Remember, he talked in the previous passage about wanting to get to Rome, wanting to be there, wanting to be there in person and to get to see them. How he prayed earnestly to get there so he could see them. And here he confesses that it is the longing of his heart, not just to minister to them through this letter, but to see them in person. He yearns for these brothers and sisters in Christ. Specifically, he wants to be there in person. What a joy it is to see one another face to face. You remember the first time we were able to get back together and to see one another. But you also know what this feels like for the past several weeks. That there are weeks, even today, when there are some of you we haven't seen in a long time. And it is just good to see you face to face. Language that Paul uses is the same kind of language that we would use. Now, we we sometimes say, it's great to see you. 
It's nice to see you. But what we mean today means something very much more deep and serious than that line we used to throw around. Hey, great to see you. I long to see you, Paul says. It is good to see you, we have said to one another even today. Whenever this word is used in the New Testament, it always describes a deep longing. Sometimes it's even used to describe an inward groaning. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 2, the Apostle Paul uses the very same word, in fact, to describe our groaning to put on our new resurrected bodies and to be at home in heaven. That's the word he uses there in 2 Corinthians 5, 2. We yearn, longing for our home, our eternal home and our resurrected bodies. That same word is the word he uses here. I long, I yearn, I desperately need to see you and to see you face to face. The kind of yearning and longing Paul describes here as he uses this word is, is the kind of thing that describes it hurting in your guts not to see each other. It's a deep longing. Paul has a real and earnest desire to be in Rome, to see these believers face to face. And he expressed similar feelings toward brothers and sisters in Christ in other local churches, in other letters to them. This is nothing unusual, but even though it is fairly common for the Apostle Paul to feel this way, it doesn't change the fact that he feels this way very, very deeply. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 8, Paul writes, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ. God can bear witness that he's not just saying this. It's absolutely true. He yearns. His guts hurt because he wants to see them so badly. And he wants to see them so badly because they are his brothers and sisters in Christ. And out of the overflow of Christ's own love for him, he loves and longs for them. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6-7. through 7, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly, And long to see us as we long to see you for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. We long to see you. And we know now that you long to see us. And and just the fact that you sent Timothy to tell us about your faith helps us get through all the persecution we're facing. Just to see him, just to see one of you helps us stand in the face of persecution. 2 Timothy 1.4, Paul writes to Pastor Timothy, As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. Brothers and sisters, could we write those words to each other? Could you say to the people in your Sunday school class who perhaps you haven't seen in a while, God is my witness. He would bear it out to be true that my guts hurt that I can't see you right now because I love you with the love of Jesus himself. Could you say to one member of your church family that you bump into at Walmart, it's it's so good just to see one of you. I yearn for my church family so deeply that just to see one of you helps me make it through the day. Can you say that you are filled with joy when you gather together on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights just that you're able to see each other? 
those your feelings toward each other? We need to have that same kind of deep love, deep yearning for one another here at First Baptist Church. I know this is how we felt before. I heard you talk about it. I watched you break the rules and hug each other when we got back. I've seen you long for one another like this. Is it still how we feel? Remember how much you wanted to see your brothers and sisters when you couldn't? Remember how when your brothers and sisters were in the hospital and all you could do was call their cell phone? Remember when we couldn't pray together, we couldn't shake hands in fellowship, we couldn't hug each other, we just sat in our living rooms, sang by ourselves? Do you remember what it was like to stand on the sidewalk and talk to someone who just lost a loved one? Not able to get too close. Do you remember when everything in you wanted to rush to the side of your brothers and sisters and you just weren't supposed to? I don't think this passage has ever sunk in for us more than it did last year, but I pray that we would never lose sight of that kind of longing for each other. There are a lot of things about 2020 that we all want to forget. Some of you are mad at me because I keep saying it, and you just want to forget about it. Can I tell you that this is something I hope we never lose? This deep, personal understanding of what it truly is to long for each other. Again, as we did last week, let's speak frankly and honestly and openly with one another for a moment. It is easy to grow frustrated with each other. It is easy now that we're back together and have been back together for some months now to just slip back into the same temptations to be frustrated. It is made even more easy to be frustrated by the fact that that just seems like the tone of the world around us. Everybody is frustrated with everybody else about everything. Pick a team, agree with your team in all things, and stay on your team. And by the way, hate everybody else who's not on your team. Whether it's disagreements about politics or disagreements about COVID protocols or disagreements about whatever else, the, the, the sort of general mode of operation in our culture today is to hate everyone who disagrees with you and to just be frustrated with people all over again. It's easy for followers of Jesus Christ to slip back into those same old patterns. It comes naturally to our flesh And it's the example set by the worldly culture around us. But can I plead with you never to forget how much you love one another and what it was like to long for each other when you couldn't see each other. To never lose it. The greatest bond between us is our union in Christ. We are drawn together by our shared love for Jesus. Can I tell you, as we said last week, that if we allow anything, and I mean anything, to get in the way of that, we are saying that that thing is more important than Jesus. Oh, we would never say that with our mouths. We would never openly admit that. We would never, ever, ever say, your political opinion is more important to me than your trust in Jesus. But when we allow those kinds of disagreements to divide us, We are saying that that which was supposed to unite us in Christ is less important than that thing we have allowed to divide us, whatever it may be. 
be drawn together by your shared love for Jesus. Out of your love for him ought to flow your love for one another. And by the way, from your love for one another flows then a desire to help strengthen each other. It's the second truth I want us to consider this morning from the second half of verse 11, that we are to be strengthening one another. To encourage one another, this kind of mutual encouragement that is our major theme this morning and our overarching theme, we need to have a longing for one another, a deep love and affection for one another, but we also need to have a desire to strengthen one another. The second half of verse 11 says, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Paul says here, the reason I long to see you, the reason it hurts that I can't be with you right now, and the reason, as he said in the last passage, that I am praying and now asking you to pray that I will be able able to come to you soon is because I want to strengthen you. I want to help you. I want to bolster your faith. Because of his love for them, Paul wanted the church in Rome to be established in their faith. These were difficult days. It was easy to lose heart. It was easy to struggle. It was easy to falter. It was easy to become the victim of false teaching. And Paul says, I need to see you in person so I can strengthen you and you will be able to stand. This, by the way, is how Paul spent his entire ministry to the churches. Plant churches, strengthen churches. Equip pastors, send those pastors, train them, send them to those churches, and continue to encourage and bolster the faith of those churches. He wrote to the Colossian church in Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Paul says, all the strength that God gives me, I funnel into this one task to teach you, warn you, proclaim Jesus so that I can present you mature in Christ. My desire is that you would grow in earnestness and grow in spiritual maturity and grow in your faith and I will spend every ounce of energy God gives me to see that come true to see your faith strengthened and established. Paul says specifically he wanted to strengthen them by giving them a spiritual gift. We need to take a moment and unpack what he means by that. He certainly doesn't mean a spiritual gift in the same sense that the Holy Spirit gives you spiritual gifts. Paul can't do that. He means instead a gift of a spiritual nature, if we want to translate it that way. The encouragement he wants to give them, as we will read in verse 12, is a spiritual encouragement. It's of a spiritual nature. That means it's more than a pep talk. He doesn't just want to go into the church and say, all right, guys, we can do this. This isn't a halftime speech, and it's not just a desire to give them a happy disposition. It's not just a desire to share a smile with them and hope that they smile back. Paul needs to give them a deep spiritual encouragement, something that's going to strengthen them, something that's going to strengthen their hearts, Something that's going to strengthen their faith. Something that's going to strengthen their resolve to be able to stand when things are difficult. Some of you may have been excited in the past two weeks to go back to your first football game in person. Maybe you went to the high school game a couple of Fridays ago or a college game last Saturday or even yesterday. You were excited. Made you happy to hear the cheers of people around you. The smell of popcorn and corn dogs excited you. 
You sang all the songs and chanted all the chants as loudly as you could. You were just glad to be back together. It's good to be there in person. Can I remind you that I don't care how loud the crowd was this Saturday or last, wherever you were, nothing compares to the way you rattled the windows here the first Sunday you were back. In those days, things were still dangerous and a little sketchy, and so there probably weren't more than 40 or 50 of us here, and we were spread out. But when you sang that opening hymn, the windows shook. Don't forget that. Don't forget that the kind of encouragement you get from being together as a body of Christ is deeply significant precisely because it is deeply spiritual. The kind of encouragement you give one another is more than a high five at a football game that makes you feel happy. It is the kind of encouragement that bolsters your faith and helps you to stand. It bolsters your very soul to be together with brothers and sisters in Christ. Now we might take Paul's wording here to indicate that he's not quite sure until he gets to Rome what kind of gift of a spiritual nature they need. That he knows they need some kind of blessing, but he's just not sure what. Some commentators, however, suggest, and I tend to agree, that Paul instead is setting up the reason for his letter specifically. In other words, that the gift of a spiritual nature that he needs to give them to strengthen them until he gets there to strengthen them is this letter. And so he's going to end up sending it ahead. He can't be there in person. But it's this letter that's going to strengthen him. That's most evident by the bookends of this same idea that appear here at the beginning of the letter, of course, and again near the end of the letter in chapter 16, verse 25, which reads, Now to him who is able to strengthen you, so that same theme of being strengthened, him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Well, what's this letter going to be about? It's going to be about the gospel and the preaching of Christ. So I, I tend to think that what the Apostle Paul means they need to strengthen them is this. This letter about the gospel. This letter about the preaching of Jesus Christ. This letter about their salvation and their Savior and the faith they have in Him and the trans, transformational work it does in their lives. About the grace of God and the mercy of God and their justification by faith alone. This powerful explanation of the need for the gospel, the essence of the gospel, the implications of the gospel that will all fill this letter to the Roman church. This is the encouragement they need. This is what will spiritually bolster their faith until Paul is able to get there and see them face to face. face, to face. This letter will establish them in the firm foundation of gospel truth. Why is that important? Why does it make a difference one way or another, whether Paul's talking about some spiritual gift he'll give him when he gets there, or this letter as the spiritual gift? Because, brothers and sisters, this is the reminder that it is the gospel that strengthens your faith. It is right doctrine that bolsters you in standing in your faith. It is sound biblical truth that gives you the strength to stand. And it is gleaning that from and alongside one another that helps you stand firm and grow in your faith. The bedrock of the gospel is the ground upon which you must stand and what you must use to strengthen each other so that you may be able to stand. What we're going to study in this letter to the Roman church, it's this that will strengthen us, especially as we study it and apply it together. 
If you were to take this book home, I hope you do. I hope that's your regular practice of bringing your Bible back and forth and that you don't just leave it here. But if you were to study the book of Romans for the next week, you would grow tremendously in your faith. But as we study it together, you will grow even more. There is something about preaching the gospel to each other, studying right doctrine with one another, singing biblical truth together that grows your faith uniquely so that you have the strength to stand. The gospel is the truth that strengthens you to stand. So preach the gospel to each other. Are any of you discouraged? Let us go and strengthen one another by the truth of the gospel. Preach the gospel to each other. Remind one another of the grace and mercy and love and provision of God our Father through Jesus Christ. Is any of you struggling? Let us bolster one another's faith through the preaching of the gospel. Are any of you fighting against temptation and it seems like you're fighting a losing battle? Let us preach the gospel to one another that we may strengthen one another. And brothers and sisters, let me remind you as I've urged you before, sing the gospel to each other. There's just something about hearing your voices together that strengthens even the weakest soul to stand firm in the faith. Paul says this spiritual gift is going to strengthen you. The word he uses here literally means to render steadfast. It's like a, a, a mast on a ship is falling over, but you fix it firmly, steadfastly, so it's not going to move again. It's fixed in its position. That's you. That's you when you are around each other. That's you when we minister the gospel to each other. You are fixed, established, rendered steadfast in your faith. Paul is going to send this gift to establish them in that way. In Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me there. It's a bit to the right if you're still in Romans. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16 describes how we do this for each other. Again, you will be greatly strengthened and greatly buffeted if you will study God's word on your own. And you should. You must, brothers and sisters. There is just something about studying the gospel, reading the gospel, preaching the gospel, singing the gospel together that does something important and dynamic in your faith. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. And he gave, that's God, by his grace, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So pause there for a moment. We're going to explain this a little bit as we go. God gives... The ministry of the word, so these variety of gifts that all minister the word to the church, he gives those people to the church as a gift. Why? For the building up of the body of Christ. Those who minister the word equip you to do the ministry God has called you to do, and as they do their ministry and you do your ministry with one another, the church is built up as the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, together as you minister to one another, and those who minister the word are ministering to you and equipping you now to minister more effectively to one another, what's happening? You're growing in spiritual maturity to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may, notice this, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried along by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. 
You don't want that to be you. You don't want to be tossed around by the winds and, and, and waves of changing doctrine. You don't want to be like that broken mass that is falling and useless. You want to be steadfast, fixed, immovable, established. And what is it that does that? Being together. Those who minister the word, ministering to you so that you're equipped to minister to each other and do the work of ministry that God's called you to do so that together, as we minister the gospel to one another, together, all of us are strengthened, immovable in our faith. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This gospel encouragement we give one another isn't just to help us feel better. Together we give one another the strength to stand in difficult days. Each time I think of this, and to be quite frank, each time I think about the very first time we met together, I'm reminded of Elijah in 1 Kings 19. He's discouraged. We find him there in, in 1 Kings, awfully discouraged, persecuted, pursued by the enemy. But in chapter 19 and verse 18, God gives him a reminder. There are yet 7,000 more like you who have not bowed the knee. There are times when life is hard. There are times in 2021 where life is really, really difficult where it feels like the temperature of persecution is rising, the difficulties of the political climate are innumerable, confusion over what we should and shouldn't do related to COVID-19 is just as confusing as it was at the outset of 2020. Things are hard. Things are difficult, not to mention whatever you might be going through personally. We've lost loved ones. We've watched as brothers and sisters in Christ in our own local church. We've had to do their funerals. These are not easy things to handle. And sometimes you may feel absolutely and utterly alone. And you need to be reminded, just like Elijah did, that there are still others who have not bowed the knee to Baal. There are more like you who are seeking to follow Christ with all that they are and all that they have. Can I urge you and remind you that every Lord's Day when we gather together in this place, we are doing more than just smiling at each other so that we can go through the good, you know, Sunday appearances like we're just supposed to do because we live in the Southeast and that's just part of our culture. No, you and I gather together on the Lord's Day that we may be reminded that there are more like us who have not bowed the knee to Baal who stand for Christ and serve Christ and follow Christ and you are not alone. You lift your voices together in song and lift your voices together in the public reading of scripture so that you can be reminded there are more like you and you can stand because you don't stand alone. Others stand with you. You and I need this. Week after week, we need this. Don't neglect it. Thirdly, we need to be encouraging one another. Encouraging one another. Verse 12 says, that is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. 
While the Apostle Paul knew that he would play an important role in encouraging the church, he also readily acknowledged here that they too would play an important role in encouraging him. In the original language, this is a single word used and translated into our English phrase, mutually encouraged. The the word in the Greek is a combination of the prefix sum, which means with, and the root word kaleo, which literally means called out, to call out or address for instruction, admonish, exhort, that kind of thing. It's a unique compound word. It doesn't, it's not used a lot, but it's, it, it's translated in, in most of your translations mutually encouraged. And that's a fair translation. But can I tell you, uh, in the words I've heard some of you use before, it doesn't quite get it. Some of you have used that phrase before. That, that just doesn't get it. Uh, mutually encouraged is good. It's helpful. It's accurate. It just doesn't quite grasp the spirit of what we're talking about. We're talking about being called out, exhorted, admonished, and having that together. You are called out by the Lord, called to serve, called to act, called to fight, called to advance the kingdom, called out. But you're called out with each other. You, brothers and sisters, are an army summoned by your king. That's the picture that's here. Paul says, I've got to get to you in Rome. I need to see you face to face so that once we're together, we can be summoned by our king to battle together. Both the Roman Christians and the Apostle Paul would gain great encouragement from each other. They'd be established, confirmed by being together as both parties were strengthened and encouraged to press on for the sake of the gospel. We all gain encouragement and strength by being together. We benefit, we grow, we walk more faithfully with Jesus when we do so together. 1 John 1, verses 3 and 4 is a rather unusual way to start a letter, but John does it anyway. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. What sticks out to you? Well, what you expect from John is we are writing these things in this letter so that your joy may be complete. We're writing this to benefit you. We're writing this for your good. We seek to glorify God and to help you. We're writing this so that you can be joyful. But that's not what John says. John says we want to write this to you because our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son and your fellowship is with the Father and the Son and therefore we have fellowship together and as we write this letter to you in fellowship... Our joy is made complete. We're helped. It's mutual. We know this letter is going to encourage you, but can we just tell you it's going to encourage us too. Mature faith in another produces a mature faith within us. Specifically, it's by each other's faith, Paul says, that we're going to be encouraged. And again, this matter is a clearly spiritual one. Spiritual one. Paul's faith is going to grow through this mutual encouragement, and the Roman Christian's faith is going to grow too. What is it that grows your faith? Among other things, it's the faith of the person sitting beside you when you gather together on the Lord's Day. It's Bible reading, it's prayer, it's meditating on God's Word. But it's also seeing the faith of your brothers and sisters. How do I grow in my faith? Well, among other things, like reading the Scriptures and studying and praying, it's seeing you, seeing your faith, and walking beside you as you walk by faith. Seeing one another's faith at work in one another's lives helps strengthen and grow our own faith to make us resolute 
Church, how indescribable is the importance of being together. It's essential for your faith. That's why the author of Hebrews warns us not to neglect it. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. That's being bolstered and growing in your faith and you do that for each other. Consider how to stir up one another, each other, together to love and good works. How? Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. What does the author of Hebrews mean? He means as the day draws near, as we get closer to Christ's return, things are going to get hard. Persecution is going to increase. Some things are going to get bad. And you're going to need to be encouraged. And the way that you're going to be built up in love and good works and encouraged in your faith is by being together with one another. So don't neglect it. It's so easy, brothers and sisters. It's so easy to slip back into the same routines and the same habits of thinking of 10 other things that are more important. Well, I know I should be at church, but I got to cut the grass. I know I should be at church, but the weather is nice, so I want to be at the lake. I know I should be at church, but the weather's bad, so I don't want to leave the house. I know I should be at church, but, but nothing. You need each other. You need to be together. Your faith is strengthened by the faith of one another. So don't neglect it. Don't neglect the assembling of yourselves together. Can I tell you that this is going to kill your pride? Mutual encouragement means we long to give encouragement, but we also recognize that we need encouragement. You don't just come to church because you say, yeah, you know, when I get there, everybody else will be encouraged, so I, need, I should be there go because you say, I need to be encouraged. My faith is faltering. and I need my brothers and sisters. We all need encouragement. But you must kill your spiritual pride in order to recognize and admit that you need it. We can think of many examples when we've shared in this kind of mutual encouragement. You can think of examples in your own life when you've rushed to the side of a church family member. And though you arrived to help them, you were more helped in your faith simply by being with them and being allowed to meet a need or to pray with them. We felt that by visiting with one another, attending funerals. We go thinking we're going to help someone else. By the time we leave, we are so greatly encouraged in our faith that we are the ones most helped. I can't tell you how many times I heard this from um, our bereavement ministry teams. We've done a lot of funerals over the past year and a half. Some from COVID, others from other things. We've done a lot of funerals. And you and your kindness and love toward one another have arrived to help serve those meals to grieving families. I cannot tell you how many times I've had people on those teams tell me that as much as they have arrived to help a family that was grieving, they were the ones who were most helped and most encouraged and most strengthened. They were the ones most bolstered in their faith simply by being used of God to help another and seeing the faith of someone else at work in their lives. We need each other. We need to encourage one another. We need to be strengthened in our own faith as the church strengthens one another's faith through mutual encouragement. So is that what you and I are doing for each other? Are we growing in our faith, established in our faith, 
to make it through difficult days because we're together, encouraging one another. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and thank you for its encouragement and its challenge. Help us to be a church family that encourages one another. We pray this in Christ's name.